Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. Joining you Monday to Friday at 10am UK time. Very happy to see the return of Guy Clark. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? Yeah, not bad, thanks, Tom. Uh, yeah, you were in need, so hey, in a step and back back <laughs> on the show. No good to be back. Indeed, our boy Chris still suffering and, uh, and Bailey's not on till this afternoon. So I'm, I'm very, very happy uh, to see you and, and have you join us ahead of a brand new season. It's good timing to get to get some of your thoughts on on how things are. I said this to Bailey yesterday because I'd not kind of spoken to him about this, but uh, pre-season now finished. We couldn't have asked for better preparation, could we? No, I've I've been trying not to read too much into the preseason mm. results. For me, the the most encouraging thing is rewind the clock twelve months. I mean, we're we're starting even earlier this season than we did last year, and we are set. I mean, I don't think we're done in the transfer market by any means. But equally, I was saying to someone the other day, if this squad finished the season, I wouldn't really have too much of a gripe about it because I feel in the, the depth that was needed, we are a lot stronger than what we were last season. Albeit, I do still think there's there's plenty to be encouraged by in the fact that we probably will see further additions to the squad. And I think we're in a great place where we are ready from game one to attack it last season. We effectively threw the first three games. We got zero points. Those down the road got nine. We ended up, what, two points behind them? Whilst everyone mm. likes to sort of uh, apply kind of revisionism to it and recency bias that Arsenal fell away at the end of the season. Actually, we claw- if you look at the full season, we clawed back at a seven-point deficit in the end. We gave ourselves too much to do with not starting properly and with five Premier League games in August alone this year, we're starting in a strong point. Indeed, yeah, we are. I think we've improved the squad. I think we've upgraded some key positions. We've brought in strengthening to other areas as well. We're still waiting to see what Fabio Vieira will do, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the team this season. And I think we've got five games that open up the campaign that are very winnable and give us some momentum going into the season as well, which is a nice change. We do open the season again. Uh, the, you know, the television broadcasters setting ourselves up on a Friday away at Selhurst Park. Fingers crossed. I think they've got. Well, I think they've got their fingers crossed, hoping for a, an upset. But you confident going into that game more so than last season at least <laughs> exactly you took the words out of my mouth uh, last year that was that was the game that is coming back off that international mm. break all of the excitement all of the buzz that had been built up so then lose really was the balloon being popped and then it was kind of a, a slow and excruciating end to the season that we kind of knew was coming but didn't want to admit that it was uh, but I think we mm. all sort of had that same trepidation and fear that was going on but no as I say this year though how we performed in pre-season the way the squad's looking I think we can go there it will be a lively atmosphere it certainly will be but I think it's one we can go and attack yeah absolutely uh, let's talk about some of the topics for discussion up for today yesterday evening was the the premiere of the All or Nothing series. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to see now the first three episodes uh, and was up at London Colney last week to speak to Aaron Ramsdale, who kind of spoke about the ideas of, you know, trying to take away that he wants people to see kind of the more human sides to footballers. He described being a footballer as both the best and worst job in the world. I think that people immediately assume all that money playing football every single day what on earth is there to be upset and sad about? Uh, and, you know, I can have empathy for that point of view, but at the same time, especially in 2022 and in the modern era of football with the pressures and social media and the abuse, and Ramsdale indeed did suffer plenty of abuse at the start of the uh, of his time at Arsenal and before even his time at Arsenal had begun. Uh, the, the documentary makes no, doesn't pull any punches in showing that abuse either. Uh, people might be pleased to, to understand. But what are you looking forward to most of all about this documentary? I'm looking forward to see 
Mikel Arteta's approach and, and man, man management, how he goes about it. At the end of the day, this is a this is a rookie manager learning on the job at one of the biggest institutions in English football. Um, so therefore, I think that's the thing. I know we're going to talk about the speakers and things. I know he's mm. been derided. I actually, I'm kind of opposite. I think it was, I think it was a good move, a smart move. I thought you can see where he's coming from with it. Mm. I think, I think the thing, and this is what I'm looking forward to seeing and learning about is actually seeing how he develops as a coach and his strategies and ideas. I think in isolation, the speakers was a decent idea, wasn't a bad idea. You could understand where he was coming from. But then mm. five minutes, 10 minutes before half time, shouting down Jurgen Klopp at Anfield, having said to the cameras, Anfield to the one place where I went where the emotion got too much for me. It certainly did on the touchline there. And he brought Anfield into the game that day and Arsenal ended up losing 4-0. We'd been playing so well up until that point. And I do say that defeat rests at his door, not in terms of his tactics and setup of the team, but in terms of him not handling his emotion on the touchline. And again, as I say, he is a manager who's, who's learning on the job. That's the position Arsenal fell to that they needed a manager who they believed in had potential much like the squad to build and, and grow with the club and the squad as he has done but as I say yeah interested to kind of see that mm. um, in within the documentaries of of how he's handled certain situations including obviously what happened with Aubameyang. Yeah, that 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 will come uh, later on in in the series. It's it, there's certainly kind of seeds in the first three episodes, though, of of kind of that conflict that is that we know is is coming. And I was saying this morning on another stream, talking uh, to the listeners and saying that people should try and look out for a moment that I think you know kind of represents not the first seeds being sown because I think there has been obviously we know about disciplinary issues before with the the North London derby him being late to that you know returning late I think from a trip away as well uh, and that is is part and parcel of, of what happens as well in later on in the series but you know in particular I think there's a moment in the Burnley game in the pre and post match that people should look out for um, that gives you kind of a little hint towards the deteriorating relationship I think between the two um, what's interesting I think also is that people are going to see a very raw Mikel Arteta you're going to see a Mikel Arteta that we haven't seen before you know he's very media savvy at times especially now he was less so I think at the start of his campaign he's learned how a lot how to deal with the media how to bat away certain questions completely shut down any transfer talk as well but you see a Mikel Arteta that's very raw that gets upset that you know gets frustrated that also enjoys and finds football very rewarding in management as well and, and really cares about where this club is going as well, which is going to be key. I think Arteta will be the one that changes the most minds or perhaps doesn't in some cases, but I think you, you see a lot of Arteta that we haven't seen before, which is going to be exciting to see the reaction most of all. How much? How do you think the fans are going to take the series? Do you think without seeing it, do you think it's going to be something that fans come out with in a season where ultimately it ended in disappointment but one that I think we will understand the processes behind where we're kind of going as a club. Yeah, I think I think as Arsenal fans, and I would implore any Arsenal fans watching it to go away, watch it, make up your own mind before heading to social media and seeing the mm. memes and ridicule that's going to follow from other clubs because that that is what it will be. Arsenal will be a punching bag for other supporters to say, Haha, look at Mikel Arteta, he wheeled some speakers out at London Colney, what an idiot. But actually, yeah. I think if you watch it and listen to it, I mean, it, it is the phrase, isn't it? Trust the process. I think what will happen is, is but the, the documentary will show the process, the process of a club 
looking to recover, quite frankly, from in terms of modern football and where top six clubs are at such a budgetary advantage to other clubs in the Premier League, a club that had effectively fallen to its knees and needed rebuilding to being a super club once more in the hands of, as I say again, a rookie manager, a rookie technical uh, technical director, the two of them having to make mistakes and learn as they go through it. And I think last season was the turning point in them, addressing a number of their early errors together in working alongside one another, but equally now beginning to put the building blocks in place for where Arsenal are. I think everything behind the scenes last season, even the decision not to sign a striker, that will be interesting how much maybe we, we see or not of kind of the discussions in the recruitment team not to actively pursue another striker after not getting Dusan Vlahovic. I, I can't imagine we probably will see too much of it because I'm, I'm sure there will be bits of it that will be censored. But in terms of the process yeah. of the Arsenal were going through, I don't think the process was the problem last season. I think at the, in the end, it was the individual quality available to Mikel Arteta in the squad mm. that meant Arsenal fell away. Yeah, I mean, we lost Partey, we lost Tommy Assi, we lost Tierney. You know, when you lose your two starting fullbacks in a 10-game stretch and Tommy Assi, whilst made a couple of cameos, wasn't the Tommy Assi that we had at the start of the season because just wasn't fit. So, yeah, it was a massive, massive loss and I think that's probably one of the big reasons why we fell two points short of, of fourth place. Um you know, there's a lot of transfer news that still needs to be discussed. And of course, a lot of work that needs to be done. Edu was at the Premier last night and asked about it. He said that he's hopeful that, you know, Arsenal will be able to complete their plan that they set out at the beginning of the summer with the time that's remaining in the window. I think we've seen a lot more movement on outgoings over the last week. You know, Marie looks close to leave for Monza. Torreira looks close to Galatasaray. Leno's now left for Fulham. Um, Oconcro's gone on loan to Crew, I think it was. Yeah. Um, Charlie Patino looks to be going on loan to Blackpool as of news that broke last night. On that one specifically, do you think going to the championship with a team like Blackpool is going to really help him and, and kind of give him that next step and development that he needed? No, I don't think it's a very good move personally. Really? Um, Tell me why. Yeah. Might, yeah, might be a might be a, a opposite kind of thing to what everyone thinks, but um, I think going to a side who aren't going to see... I mean, they, they're going to want to play a possession-heavy style of football under Michael Appleton, who is a good coach and has brought through a number of young, encouraging players. You look at his Lincoln City side that lost to Blackpool in the League One playoff final a couple of seasons back. He had Morgan Rogers on loan from Man City on one wing and Brennan Johnson, who we've seen what he's done for Nottingham Forest on the other. And the two of those were excellent. But I think for a central midfield player of, what, 18 years of age that Charlie Patino is, who's, who's grown up at Arsenal, where he will have constantly in training sessions and probably even in youth team matches, seen an awful lot of the ball. Physically, I don't. I think it will be a huge test playing in the middle of a midfield in the Championship. Depends how much realistically Arsenal are expecting him to play. If he's to start 30 games in the campaign, I think he would have done really well. Um, but in terms of it, I think, yeah, the physicality would be one area that I wouldn't be totally convinced by. But equally, I don't think Blackpool's the best pick in terms of they're amongst the favourites for relegation. So unless he goes in there and really transforms their fortunes mm. and does shine really, really brightly... Um, it could be a good move. But personally, I I would say there's a bit of trepidation on my point. I kind of liken it to Flo Balogun. I remember saying last year, I thought second half of the season, he should have gone on a foreign loan, not to the championship, but to another league. And it looks this season as though that might be rectified and he might go to league earn this campaign. I thought that could have been done maybe last year. And I think Patino, likewise, I think maybe a, a Belgian league or a Dutch league move, much like when Mason Mount mm. went to Vitesse Arnhem, um, 
I know Chelsea obviously have that link, but I think that kind of division of might have suited better for a side who are going to see more of the ball. I don't think Blackpool for Charlie Patino is, is necessarily going to be that. I would have rather actually stay on the training ground, learn from the likes of Martin Odegaard, Granit Xhaka, and even Fabio Vieira, all of all of whom you could argue different parts of their game could be applied to Charlie Patino's development and help him in that regard. But um, yeah, I'm interested. Obviously, I wish him well, but I... Of course. I I, I don't I don't think it's a great matchup personally. No, that's a really interesting point actually, and one I'd not really considered. I mean, where did Blackpool finish in the championship last season? I'm just trying to have a I quick think they, look. They, they might finish about fifteenth, sixteenth, but their manager Neil Critchley has gone to Aston Villa to join up with 16th. Steven Gerrard. Yeah. He was he was by far their biggest asset last season. Um, Michael Appleton, as I say, I think he's a good coach and I think on the training ground would be great for him. I just don't think the environment will be to, to, uh, yeah. to Charlie Patino's develop. It's interesting. They they won their first game uh, against Reading 1-0. Uh, they had 47% possession of the ball and created 10 chances and five of them hitting the target. I, it's Reading. I mean, I don't know my knowledge of the championship these days. I, I know you've done some commentary on it and stuff. Yeah, they're um, another crisis club in the division, Reading. So again, yeah. first game of the season. I, w- I wouldn't read too much into it, but even there, Blackpool didn't dominate the ball. Um, and that is that is mm. Charlie Patino's game. He needs to go to a team where he's going to... He he could go in and be the fulcrum of it and see a lot of the ball in regards to what they do with it. But as I say, personally, I, I just don't see it as a, a right fit. And, and that's not really anything. Equally, it's as much the championship as it is Blackpool. As I say, I think a, a, a mm. loan abroad, albeit would be difficult maybe for him off the pitch personally to adjust and develop, um, I think probably would have suited his skill set better. What do you make then of the Balogun Lomu to Rem? Because he has obviously gone abroad. Rem are a side that finished 12th in Liga, which is, you know, when you consider they finished a, uh, above sides like Montpellier and Troyes and, and Lorient and Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux who went down. Um, they're not exact, you know, they're not exactly a, a poor side in the division. You know, they've definitely come up and been quite strong in that league. So, and and you think he would play as well quite a lot for, for Rem. So actually I've been, I'm being told it's actually pronounced uh, Rons, Rons, I think is what it is. I keep getting right. told it's a different pronunciation, but yeah, tell me what you feel about the line. I, th- I think it's good. I mean, um, I think if you look at a few young strikers who've come through the English system in recent years who have gone out to foreign climbs uh, have done quite well. I remember last season I referenced Lucas Nemechi. You mentioned I've, I've sort of seen quite a lot of championship football doing some work with Preston North End and they had Nemechi on loan from Manchester City. He had a difficult time mm. in the championship, went to Belgium, did really well there, since moved on to, to Wolfsburg and I'm not even sure if he hasn't had a, a Germany senior international call-up. But likewise, mm. Steffi Mavadidi, he was funnily enough another player who came to Preston yeah. but from Arsenal, went to Juventus, didn't really work, has gone to Montpellier and since he's been there has obviously done really well with Flo Balogun whether he's eventually actually going to be up to Arsenal standard remains to be seen but again I think going to a division where even if it's something as small as playing pretty much the similar amount of games that Arsenal will play through the course of a league campaign whereas in the championship it is 46 games it is relentless it is a physical monster of a league Uh, going into a division where maybe you do have a few free weeks where you can build up week to week to what you're doing in in, in league action and really get those minutes in on the training ground rather than constantly playing games, um, I do think can be useful and helpful. And as I say, I think Steffi Mavadidi might be kind of the the template that Flo Balogun can look to replicate. Um, And yeah, I think think that's a smarter move than say it was going to Middlesbrough. 
Yeah, interesting indeed how, how it changes, how it works, and, and we wish him the absolute best. Um, and regarding potential incomings, you know, I mentioned Edu spoke about wanting to get things done. Um, we assume that these outgoings are going to help. Um, actually, before I go on to incomings, the last outgoing I wanted to get some of your thoughts on was, was Burnt Leno, because obviously the breakdown of his fee was revealed to be with respect, pitiful. Um, three million pounds up front, one million pounds in in bonuses for appearances, another two million if Fulham stay up, and a further two million if they then stay up for a successive second season. I, I find this, even though I know there's an element of you know, we, we, respectfully, he's been a good servant to the club, and we're allowing him to move to a club that he wants to. You know, it's it's pitiful. <laughs> it really is pitiful money. Yeah, when you consider what the last three seasons Fulham have been in the Premier League, they've been relegated and probably had nine managers in that time. I don't mm. know, I might be wrong in that regard, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's not the best uh, fee. It's not the best business. But likewise, I don't think Edu and Arteta are done with their development. And I think whilst you might look back and say the incomings has been something that's been rectified and improved and maybe Arteta on a tactical point, mm. things that he did to begin with, he's now not doing and things are improving. I think player sales is is something that in two years' time we'll probably look back at and, and say, yeah, okay, we can now improve it. But equally, I kind of subscribe to your school of thought on we're at a very much position of weakness in when it comes to selling our players, it's a buyer's market. And if that's the offer on the table, that's the offer on the table. I don't think Bert Leno has probably done us any favours in basically signalling his intention is to stay in London at all costs, um, respectfully. Mm. Personally, that might be what he wants to do. But if Arsenal could have found a deal for him to maybe send him back to Germany or elsewhere on the continent for a better price, they should have made it evidently clear to him Fulham just are not meeting the valuation. Um, I thought 10 million was probably the minimum we should have been letting him go for. When you hear it was eight, you go, right, okay, as you say, good servant, fair enough. But when mm. it's broken down as it is, um, with with four million of that eight million, regard uh, sort of banking on Fulham staying up for two successive seasons, um, all of a sudden it, it doesn't look as good business, but wish him well. Absolutely. I hope that we do obviously see Leno succeed, other than when he's playing against Arsenal, of course. But, uh, you know, he was a good servant to the club. And ultimately, you know, I did, I spoke a lot about kind of hits and misses. And I put him down as a miss because ultimately I felt that despite him being, you know, a good servant, if he was a hit, he'd probably still be here. And it was just his distribution that ultimately let him down into our t- system. And I think the, the 22 odd million pounds we invested in him hasn't necessarily succeeded go on do we do we know if there's a sell-on because quite often obviously sell-ons are on profit yeah. so if it's a, if it's three million up front if he ends up being fulham's player of the season and gets sold i mean alphonse Ariola, who's now signed for mm. west ham was on loan there last time but was brilliant for them west ham then went and got him and obviously they've now bought him permanently this summer but if he's there permanently if he signed for three million if he ends up being their player of the season and gets mm. sold next summer say for 15 million pounds there's 12 million pounds profit there which actually could end up whatever cut we have. If we have a 30% cut on that, we mm. could make our £4 million back in that regard. I, I, yeah, we don't know the details of a, a sell-on, yeah. but what we do know is that Arsenal have certainly been adding sell-on clauses into players that they've been letting go of. You know, Genduzi, Mavropanos both have sell-ons. Joe Willock had a sell-on inserted into his uh, his contract as well. So Arsenal have worked to include those sell-on clauses to help them financially. So I'd be surprised if there wasn't, you know, yeah. one inserted into that deal. Yeah, so incomings... There's time left in the window, plenty of time left in the entire month of the window still remains. Are you confident that Arsenal will bring in the one or two signings and, and if so, who? 
Uh, I've been kicking and screaming since last summer that we need a central midfield player, and that mm. hasn't changed. Um, I'm probably going to get ridiculed here, and people might have thought I've spoken sense up till this point, but I, 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 w- I wouldn't have been against um, a return for Aaron Ramsey. I said it in January. I'd say it again now just because I think that left-hand side of a, a midfield three, I think, within Arteta's system suits all of his strengths and hides mm. his deficiencies within the game. He would have come in to be a squad player and be utilised within the Europa League. I'm big on Arsenal going strong in the Europa League this season. I don't think it should be a complete A and B flip for what we have for the Premier League and for the Europa League. I, I wouldn't like to see the drop-off be astronomical in in sort of player quality. And I think someone like Ramsey, um, the service he gave to the club first time round, I think would set an exemplary uh, kind of platform for someone like Sambi Lokonga to even follow and maybe look mm. to emulate and, and grow into. But yeah, central midfield is is a certainty. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Fabio Vieira does do, though. Um, that's as much as everyone's really excited about Gabriel Jesus. I was a bit hesitant. I am, of course, on board now after his pre-season exploits and excited. But I'm really excited to see what Vieira can do for us. But um, yeah, central midfield, obviously heavy links with Yuri Tielemans. Um, I do think we need more of an offensive player within that position. So um, yeah, no, that that would definitely be the area. And then the forward line, whether it's a wide forward depends probably if Pepe goes, but equally even through the middle, we've only really now got Jesus and Enketia, both of who could do stints in wide positions if we had a, a, another striker about to accommodate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the midfielder is, for me, still the priority. Absolutely, I agree with you. We need to make sure we add that in. If we go, you know, a second summer window without having brought in a, a starting quality player in that area, that's a real letdown. Um, and I would be very disappointed if we don't. Tillemans seems to be a player that Arsenal know they can basically get if they go and bid for him. And I think that they've obviously been looking at potential alternatives if they can find someone better because they know they've got kind of that safety net of Tillemans there if they don't end up getting someone else better than him. There aren't too many out there available that you could say are better than Tillemans that we could go and get. You know, Milinkovic-Savic, I think, is an obvious one. They were looking at the Paqueta thing, but I don't think they see him as the same style of player as Tillemans operating in that central midfield, left-sided number eight position that a lot of people have been talking about, whereas, of course, Savic and and Tillemans are players that can play in that left-sided role, despite both of them having played on the right of central midfield for their two teams. But I think their versatility means they would have not much of an issue operating on the left-hand side. The wide forward one's an interesting one because I think that, you know, if Jesus was to get injured, we're suddenly down to Nketiah and that's a worry. It has to be, I don't think Arsenal would go out and sign a striker of a level that they would be able to convince to join and say, look, you're going to be competing with Jesus and you're going to be sitting on the bench. I don't see that realistically happening. So bringing in, say, a wide player that has the scope to play in the middle, be that a Cody Gakpo, be that an Amin Guiri, be that, you know, I talked about signing at Memphis to pie on loan for a season, you know, is better than not bringing anyone in. I know people are very much here, the name to pie and like, no, thank you. Don't want him anywhere near the club. But actually on loan for a season, I don't see as particularly the worst thing in the world. What do you make of the potential wide forward versatile options? No, I, I, I'd be on board with Depay. The, the only issue with Depay would be the wages mm. that he would look to command, but equally Bar- Barcelona also are in a position where they need to offload. And again, it's kind of the, the, the buyer's market in that regard. You saw what he did at Leon. He was he was talismanic for them. Um, 
and you would hope he could, he could kind of potentially come in and, and do a similar thing. And it, it would depend perhaps on his hunger, which I suppose, having not done so well at Manchester United, I'm sure there is a fire that burns in him to show the Premier League exactly what he could do. But I think you're right. I think a mobile forward who could play across that forward line, I think what we'll see from Jesus this season will be that he has revolutionised really how maybe as Arsenal fans we do look at what a centre-forward can bring to us rather than just being a focal point. I think I think eventually Eddie Nketiah, we will come to label as just that. But equally, compared to last season and Lacazette, you would have said actually Nketiah was a more versatile option, sometimes playing off the left. So uh, it, it's an interesting one. But yeah, I would say somebody who could play across potentially even all three of the forward line areas. And and equally, I don't mean potentially even just playing solely as a left winger, solely as a striker, solely as a, a right winger. I think this season that attack is going to be as fluid as it has ever been at Arsenal. And therefore, I think more, more often than not, it will be three forwards all popping up in, in different areas. You saw it in the Sevilla game, um, how many times even in open play that Bukayo Saka was just popping up on the left. Martinelli was in the middle. and They were just constantly interchanging and revolving mm. around and, and triggering a press each of them so uh, yeah I, I would say a, a dynamic mobile forward um but wouldn't kind of go to to any specific names but Depay potentially for as you say it would be a season loan because I think probably beyond this year you'd probably start to question his mobility as he as he goes older yeah absolutely um Charles says, good morning. Please tell me Tillemans is coming to Arsenal. I mean, I could tell you that, but it wouldn't be true because we don't know if that's happening at the moment. So unfortunately, I can't. Um, Yasin says, what are your thoughts on targeting Armando Breuer? Uh, I, I don't think that he necessarily would be open to the move right now, knowing that he doesn't start. Wherever he goes, he's going to want to start. And I think that's why he was open to the West Ham move. We, we could see him move elsewhere. Um, but I think he's been frustrated in Chelsea's asking price for him this summer. I think that he felt that Chelsea are asking for far too much money for him. And that ultimately meant that West Ham decided to move to, to someone like Skamaka, who they felt I think was more potentially less of a risk for the money that they spent on him. I still think that's a risky move for them, Skamaka. There's no guarantees. Of course, it will transition to the Premier League. But I don't think we'd see uh, Broyer or Bruja, uh join Arsenal this summer because I don't think that he would be convinced by playing second fiddle to potentially even Nketiah, not only just because Arteta loves Nketiah, you know, there's no guarantee he comes in straight ahead of him. Um, we are going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Always appreciate the support on the channel. Guy, thank you for your time, mate. I really appreciate No worries. Good to on. be back. Absolutely. It won't be for the last time, I am sure. Uh, and we'll catch up with you throughout the season after getting your thoughts and giving you an escape, of course, from the annoying Liverpool side of things as well. Um, but uh, thank you, everyone that's tuned in. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. We've got more content coming out for you, of course, later today. And as we lead into that game against Crystal Palace, you'll find predicted lineups and, of course, further previews too. See you soon. Have a great day. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. <laughs>